the world of wrestling will change forever. This will be the first time in history. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You lay the ground rules out. You got the cage hanging over our heads. Rowdy Ruddy Piper. Hogan, your corner. So what you gonna do? I'm gonna put him out the pasture with the rest of the fossils. The time is here. Who in the hell do you think you are, Piper? I'm the boss. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. I will chew up Hulk Hogan from head to toe. And I'm the man that is the only god in this ring. Slim Jim presents WCW's Halloween Havoc. to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. Halloween approaches, and this was quite the week in the world of pro wrestling, as uh, we have some major news to talk about, and what would you like to start with? A very, very major news. Uh, a member of the Anawahi family uh, messaged me on Facebook and just said, hey... You know, make sure you watch Raw. So I was like, okay, cool. So I tuned in. And I was shocked to find out that Roman Reigns is uh, is battling leukemia. Cancer is, is, is a bitch. Well, that he had already been through once before, which was a tightly kept secret because I had never heard about this before. I mean, and the WWE isn't one to let stories like that 
stay under wraps. They are very yeah. they are a very exploitive company. I hate to use the word exploitive, but if you have a story like that, they will definitely incorporate that, especially with someone like Roman Reigns, who they desperately wanted to be cheered. Yeah. You know how they could have stopped that? If they had known about his battle with cancer 11 years ago, as he said, had he said one night, had he told that story, it's over. You know, he's never getting booed again. Yeah. And I mean, now he won't get booed again. And Wei Ting brought this up on uh, the post-wrestling podcast is, I have a lot of respect for Roman Reigns now, knowing that he had this in his back pocket, and he could have uh, the previous diagnosis, of yeah. course, not this one, but yeah. he could have played this card. And he could have taken the easy way out as far as getting cheered and not being this tweener, being in this weird character position where I've been very critical of Roman Reigns' character. I mean, Joe Anawahi's probably a nice guy and everything, but the character of Roman Reigns, his in-ring style has always bored me, and his character has always been all over the place and has just not been very well defined. Now, he could have on his own, yeah, taken that card and said, I'm a survivor of cancer. I beat cancer a long time. And are you going to boo him after that? Well, yeah, his build with, with Brock Lesnar, he could have thrown that out there, you know, something along those lines. And he could have, even when the initial fan rejection of him started back when he won that Royal Rumble and got booed with The Rock or whatever, yeah. even heading into that, yeah. he could have said, this is a battle royal. Well, I've already had quite a battle yeah you know and and just years before this yeah it makes me have a lot of respect that he tried to do it the old-fashioned way and just let the let the writers and let the storylines and let your character try to get over on its own without right uh playing that that ace card basically and saying do you want to okay i'll be a baby face forever right now done and he never did that yeah and i was telling our friend brenton I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I was kind of skeptical about uh, the timing of this, given that they were under scrutiny for the Saudi Arabia show coming up. Um, They certainly, I mean, I don't think he's lying about having leukemia, of course. And um, they wouldn't do this probably with their top star. I mean, this was their, this is, I can't think of another example of the top star I mean, I, I can think of that as ha- them having injuries that ended their career, like yeah. we, we saw with Edge and we thought with Daniel Bryan, who ended up coming back. But I've never heard, of, I mean, and we've had like stars like Jim Duggan who've had to step away for cancer, but he wasn't the world champion at the time. Right. He wasn't the top, of, the top of the card. He wasn't the top build superstar. Yeah. So this was very, very strange and very unique, but the conspiracy theorist in me was like, okay, he said, I, I battled leukemia 11 years ago. Well, he was playing football 11 years ago. And, I mean, in that promo, he talks about, well, I played football, and then I got out and got the diagnosis or whatever. But his timeline doesn't quite add up. I'm not, like I say, I'm not doubting his story. But he played in the CFL around the time that he's saying that he had this. But then Brenton showed me a tweet where a reporter said that he had talked to Calvin Johnson, who was a teammate of his at Georgia Tech and said that Joe had told him that he had leukemia back then, but it was a closely guarded secret. I mean, yeah. wrestling secrets are very hard to keep. I mean, they are. Um, with all the dirt sheets and all the, the websites and the podcasts that report on them. So, yeah, very shocking uh, start to Monday Night Raw and uh, wish the best for him. And uh, I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, He's going to battle back. Um 
Still very young. Yes. In top physical condition. A father of two. Father of three. Three, okay, three. And so, uh, yeah, he, this, and it's like he said, I don't consider that to have been a retirement speech at all. It's just, I gotta go handle this, but I'll see you later, you know? Yeah. Now, some people on Twitter uh, were getting upset, though, at the end of Raw when they went ahead and turned Dean Ambrose heel on Seth Rollins because how dare you do that on a night that the Roman Reigns would do this, but they were heading in that direction anyway. And what better night? What better night to generate heat? Roman Reigns probably wanted them to go ahead. I mean, make the most out of this. Get your friends, you know, elevated. So go ahead and do the turn that night. We'll see all three guys on the stage. Yeah, they were crying. Crying, man, hugging. It was a heartfelt, true blue moment. And you don't really get those in wrestling. It really, truly was. And in that night, to have one turn on the other out of the three, it, it, it was serious heat. It was hot, you know, it was hot crowd. Right, it was, the, it was the time to do it. It was the time to do it. Strike while the iron was hot because everybody's mind is fresh from just an hour ago of y'all crying on stage. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, this son of a bitch, you know? I know some of the reaction pictures I saw and some of the people yelling at Dean, Dean, why tonight? No, no, yeah. and I'm just... For the good of the wrestling business, that it was the perfect time to do yeah. that. So I don't kind of understand the criticism um, with that. Yeah. Now, that being said, with this vacant universal title, now the uh, main event at Crown Jewel is now a singles match between Brock and Braun, which, um, unfortunate timing with Braun because he was a heel two weeks ago and now he's suddenly back to being a babyface because yeah. we have to have a babyface going against Brock. But what I really hope for, uh, especially with the controversy surrounding this show, which is going to go ahead as planned, which uh, doesn't really surprise... We called it... Three weeks ago, or whatever, that yeah. it was gonna, it was gonna happen. Yeah. Um. But I really hope that they don't do the title change in Saudi Arabia. I hope it's a DQ or some kind of double count out, or I. That should be saved for us, the American audience, and that I, I should hate be. To, I hate to burst your bubble, but it's gonna happen. There will be a title change leaving Saudi Arabia. Braun Strowman will f- finally hold the universal title. Well, from the rumors that I read, they are thinking about giving it back to Brock. Really? Yes. Even though he's gone. The idea is that they can have him go and compete in the UFC. And and Daniel Cormier has a fight coming up. He took on short notice against um, uh, Derek Lewis. Daniel Cormier has a fight coming up in December where his heavyweight belt is on the line. He's been forced to vacate his light heavyweight belt. UFC has gotten very obsessed with every card has to have a title fight. So if you're a dual champion, they strip you of a title. So DC kept his heavyweight belt, and he's going to defend it. Now, if he makes it past that defense, I mean, the goal, his goal is to retire in the springtime, and he wanted to go out with a Brock Lesnar fight and a John Jones fight was his ideal two opponents. And so if Brock can hang on to the Universal title and uh, Daniel Cormier can hang on to the UFC heavyweight title, if WWE and UFC could have... uh, WWE would love for Brock to win the UFC heavyweight title while he's the Universal champion. So there is some... Right. There is some thought to that. Gotta have Paul Heyman walk out with him. 
Yeah, well, that would be excellent. Well, he needs to bring the Universal title into the Octagon, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's uh, for sure. If he's going to, if they're going to do this, the title and Paul Heyman goes to the Octagon with him. There is some thought that uh, that could be happening, but we've talked about it before with other title changes. You can only win your first world title once. Mm-hmm. And for Braun Strowman to win his first world title on a show that I am not going to watch, Patrick. I will not watch Crown Jewel. I have no interest in it. Uh, I have I have zero interest in it because, you know, months down the road, if it turns out Shawn Michaels really doesn't wrestle another match, maybe I'll go back and watch that match. But I think he's coming back to wrestle some more. And same with The Undertaker. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing out on a one-time only thing, but the rest of it, just, I'm, it really grosses me out that they're going over there after a guy was hacked up with a bone saw, uh, a U.S. resident, and it's, I just, I want no part of it. And also, between Roman Reigns, which was not the company's fault, but but because of the Saudi Arabia card, this Evolution card has gotten, got totally lost in the shuffle. Oh, yeah. The, The promotion of that really really lacked i mean and what they're doing with the returning stars there throwing them in a battle royal for no not giving them not giving us dream matchups you have these these women return for one night and you say i'll just go out there in the battle royal wasn't that the whole point of what we were trying to get away from is just meaningless battle royals with with the divas now the women yeah you know so well i mean trish and alexa bliss i'm like hell yeah that's gonna be a good one-on-one singles match then it's like no it's a tag match we gotta find trish a tag partner okay we're gonna have lita it's like all right well well that takes her out of the match too i was like wow it's gonna be good now the next thing you know alexa bliss is completely out of the match and it's like well, fuck, the two original people that started this whole thing, Trish and Alexa, now have no, I mean, one of them's not even going to be a part of the match. Well, and Mickey James was her teammate, which makes no sense. Yeah, you and I talked about this yesterday. Mickey James, who... Is in the same generation. Feuded with Trish for a year and a half, who is in the same locker room, same generation, but yet you're trying to claim that she's a current generation star... She made her name years ago, way before Alexa Bliss ever stepped in the wrestling ring. Yeah, so it makes me think that in that match that Mickey will will turn and join the Legends or something. I would love for that to happen. I well, don't, she needs something. I don't think it'll happen, I don't. I would love for that to happen. I don't either, because they don't seem to acknowledge that Trish and Mickey ever knew each other. So. Yeah, they don't want to. <laughs> ever. Yeah, well, yeah, because ever. of the nature of that angle, the, the, the crazed love stalker angle. Uh, it's probably something they... We got a glimpse of it during their their all-women's Royal Rumble. Well, and that's only because Trish snuck it in there. It wasn't like yeah. they booked it that way or yeah. anything. And that's uh, pretty much that, it for the news. Uh, well, who's your pick for Evolution? Let's yeah, do we'll picks. Get, I only have intrigue and interest in two matches, and that would be the two title matches, the Raw women's title match and the SmackDown women's title match. I actually have more interest in the SmackDown women's title match than the Raw one uh, because I think they've done a better job with the build having Becky attack Charlotte at the Performance Center and cutting the Twitter promos and Photoshop stuff. and The last last woman standing. The very first. Yeah, and I think that that should be very interesting. And uh, my pick for the SmackDown women's title match would be Becky Lynch because I think... Oh, man, we're going to split well, because I think that the goal is to still get Charlotte to fight Ronda at WrestleMania, and 
I don't think she's. it's going to be a... You're not going to have both your champs in that match. And I don't see Charlotte winning and then dropping the belt back again. But they hot potato this belt all the time. So I could very easily be wrong. But I see Charlotte winning and I see Ronda winning. Well, in the Ronda, Rousey, and Nikki Bella match, I think you are going to have... Well, that match will go on last, is my belief. And I think that Charlotte will have lost her match with Becky Lynch... And will turn heel and cost Ronda Rousey the match. And Nikki Bella will defeat Ronda Rousey to get major heat. And major heat on Charlotte. And just leave the place stunned. Because I think that's... If you really want to go off the air with a shocking finish. To have Nikki Bella pin a bronze judo medalist in the Olympics. And a woman who is undefeated and represents everything that Nikki Bella is not. To have her be pinned by Nikki Bella would be absolutely shocking. It would get the people talking. It would be the kind of ending that I think you'd want. I mean, it's not the happy ending because you, you, you save happy endings for WrestleMania. You sold me on it now. I'm uh, Now I'm like, yeah, because you sold me on this idea of Charlotte interfering and building for that. Because Ronda can't get to Charlotte because she's on a different brand. Right. And so, so it has to somewhat start at a, at a pay-per-view. Well, it can start here and they can kind of enter intersect at survivor series if we do brand on brand warfare again and then we got and then we got uh royal rumble right where one of them can earn the title shot so someone's gonna have to have the belt back which which ronda can easily squash nikki down at at rumble maybe in the match or whatever yeah or in her rematch but i that's my fantasy booking of the situation you you sold me on it i kind of like that idea i hope they do run with that that way uh we'll see We'll see what happens. It's a few hours from now. We're taping on the night of Evolution, and uh, we'll watch uh, some of it, most of it, uh, instead of playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which I know you're you're tempted by. I am. I uh, am. It's only 60 hours of a story mode, so if you and me started playing it, we'd have to play it for almost three straight days to get done with it. But Man, it's, it's, it's a good game, though. It's phenomenal so far. It's... It moved a little slow for me at the start, especially the way that the the character moves. I'm not going to change this podcast into video game talk, but there were some things I liked about Red Dead Redemption One that they've altered in this one. And but once I get used to it, I think I'm. I've gonna... picked up now and moved to the new location. Have you moved off to a new location yet? I've gotten out of snow. Have you I haven't gotten... gotten out of the second location. Okay, so you're. Um, I just you're last, ahead, you, I just, you lapped me. Yeah. I just last night got out of the second location. And those games are hard to stop playing because oh you just man, wanna, once you get going, you're like you, you want to see where the story goes. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, man, I need to go to bed. I'm gonna play a little bit longer. I need to go to bed. Crap, I'm gonna go a little bit longer. So, well, right, but back to wrestling. Yeah, one one final note from the world of wrestling. Impact got moved to Thursday at 10 p.m. Uh, last week was their first 10 p.m. show on Pop, and it Bomb. only yes, it only got 98 thousand viewers holy shit <laughs> yeah out of the entire canada out, out, I and think this united states just united states i think they oh turned. that's not canada as well i don't think no because it airs on a different channel in canada but okay on pop tv they drew ninety eight thousand. that is jeez that is terrible but they're up against uh, and i don't want to blame it all on their competition because i mean God. monday night raw goes up against 
Monday Night Football and Raw's been doing very poorly in ratings, which also briefly I wanted to mention that um, their ratings have been at some of they've been even lower than some of the original Raws from '93. Like we're starting to dip near uh, dipping under two million, and that that's very scary. And uh, the stock price has dipped uh, like it dipped by a third in the last few days, and it's mainly because of these the the declining trend of their TV numbers, which is one reason you mentioned to me they're sending out surveys about maybe raising the price of the network, which you and I have talked about on this podcast for for several years now, but as a way to maybe offset some of the viewership losses there and the revenue they would get from advertisers, they would just raise the rates on the network because they know that diehards like you and I, like we love the vault. Like, I mean, just for that content alone... They've got us. Fifteen know? bucks a month is nothing for me just to have that content. Yeah, right. I'll I'll pay that. And they know that, right? So they know that we have this, and so they have this untapped resource of yeah. like people that okay, you're gonna get five more dollars. But know? then if they start bumping it, man, if they start going to like twenty bucks a month or something, I'm well, gonna, right. I'm gonna say no. I'm just gonna be like, yeah, you know, you got to put your foot down at some point in time. Fifteen. I'm good. 20, I'm pushing. You go to 25, I'm done. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, because then you're basically paying what old pay-per-view prices used to be. And, yeah. I mean, you couldn't just do that every... I mean, at that kind of price, I mean, the best I, you know, the best idea I can come up with is, like, you would get the network while you have it at a discounted rate. Try to find some way to record this. You know, even though it's from HDMI, it's hard to do, like... Find a way to just record everything you can get, yeah. and, then, and then get off of it. And then when a big event rolls around, sign up and do the same thing. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, there just comes a there comes a breaking point with everything. But, um, but f- uh, p- they asked who would be willing to for fifteen dollars a month, and what would you be? What would it take? And so, uh, well, I saw that some of the rumors were. You said that they were possibly thinking about offering fans a vote in the Hall of Fame. Well, they asked what would it take, and the number one thing back, which I was shocked, was fans saying that they wanted a fan vote Hall of Fame. Every year, you at least get one fan vote where uh, you know the fans themselves, no one else involved, speaks up and says, this person wins out over anybody. We want this person in the Hall of Fame, which opens doors for the likes of Davy Boy Smith and Owen Hart, if legally can happen. But um, China, it opens the doors for a lot of other people that may not necessarily be looked at to finally. Yokozuna, a massive. Yoko's in there. Oh, is Yoko in there? Okay. All right, and but I told you I I don't I don't really want the fans to have a vote. You don't want the I fans don't. to have a vote. No, because you know I don't want to see Duke the Dumpster Drozzy uh, be inducted into the Hall of Fame, or I just think it's better left in the hands of people that get to vote on it. You, you know? think podcasters should have a vote? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> we, we we have terrible opinions, and terrible <laughs> ideas. I think we have brilliant opinions and ideas myself. But Some of the others. other ideas I saw floated with this uh, price increase, though, included getting content from other indie promotions and maybe broadcasting that, but redubbing the uh, commentary with Jerry the King Lawler and Steve Austin. They want to try to get Steve Austin to dub commentary with Jerry the King Lawler, which... This could be bad. 
That's gonna be bad. <laughs> well, I know. Holy shit, that's gonna be terrible. You, you you hear that and you're like, oh, that's gonna be great, and then you start really like playing off each other. Well, yeah, exactly. In your mind, well, they're like, in a recording studio watching it on tape. They're not even in the live. Well, damn, damn, King, can you believe he just did that shit? That's crazy. That's gonna be terrible, dude. That's going to be horrible. <laughs> oh my god, that'll be bad. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. It'd be better to get two people that ha- already have chemistry. Like, why not Edge and Christian be the commentators on? That'd be a good. One. Something or you know, just people That'd that, that have already worked together. But it seems. Jim Ross's contract with the company's apparently up, and there's rumors he's going to start a promotion with Jericho. The two of them are going to be in charge of a wrestling promotion, possibly. Well, I know I tuned in uh, to New Japan. Yeah, Don Callis is going to start calling New Japan. And Really? Yeah, that's what I read. And so, so JR's yeah. out? I think. I, I might be incorrect about that. I was going to say, because but... I tuned in, and I saw... I, to hear... JR make a call throughout that event was God, man! It gave me chill bumps again. It made me feel like we were back in the good old days for a second because it was very well done. And uh, he just—he's kicking on all cylinders. And so, and before we move on to our review that uh, we picked in honor of Halloween, so it's pretty obvious what show we're going to do—not what year, but we're what, doing Survivor Series, right? Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> uh, December to dismember again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, um, final thoughts on NWA 70. What were your overall thoughts on... That was our let's watch, let's listen from last week. A decent show for what it was. Yeah. You you have to go into it with low standards, understanding that this is something that has been dead for a number of years that we're trying to rebirth and get off the ground. If you're going into it wanting WWE substandard or WWE high standards or whatever, you're not getting it. Yeah. This I, is definitely a low grade standard show, but if you go into it understanding that, it's a phenomenal show. Yeah, I think it was fine for the price point. Like if we had gone and saw if we had attended live and paid for the $20 ticket, I might have been a little disappointed when they did the fighting around the asylum and there was no screen to watch on and there was a lot of downtime between the matches and not a lot going on i think i might have been disappointed us watching it on the couch for five dollars more and being able to eat mac and cheese and have you know and just bullshit while they're you know having technical difficulties or whatever yeah made it an easier show to watch but yeah for a for the show that it was it was on like i said for a 25 dollar price point for uh you know the main event I think delivered enough, except for the blatant disregard meant of the rules, which still irritates me. But I was talking to someone about this earlier, where if you present this thing as a sport, then the rules should be enforced. That's all I'm saying. If if it, you can go the opposite direction, which is what ECW did basically, and so you know, I you can forgive everything that happens in ECW because they tell you up front, we have no rules. We'll just fly. You know, whatever happens, happens. But if you present it as sport and you present it as real athletic competition, and there's an example in the pay-per-view we're about to review where I was like, you guys don't do this and you're doing it. You're changing the rules. Like, do you want to be the Harlem Globetrotters and make this into a mockery of a sport or do you want it to be sport? You can't have it both ways. And so that Cody main event with Nick Aldis when they just totally threw out the, the, the count out and threw out the rules like... 
You could have simply just said in advance, this is a no DQ falls count anywhere match done. So, solved. Like, Well, I mean, if you're doing two out of three falls, you could have very easily, like, the first fall is no DQ, the second fall is last man standing, the third fall is... Three stages of hell. You yeah, you could have done something along those lines a lot easier than, like you're saying, because then it, it's more understanding as of why it happened the way it happened. Yeah, I just... It irritates me on every level of professional wrestling when that happens. And you as a referee, I'm sure it frustrates you as well. Oh, it pisses me off tremendously because the strict criteria of knowing the rules and enforcing the rules is very important for a referee because if you can't do that, then your credibility is out the window. Well, now we go back to your pick for this week. We go back to October 26, 1997. At the MGM Grand Garden Arena in front of 12,457 WCW fans as this is when they were on top of the world. They were kicking WWF's ass. Uh, The NWO was still going strong. Everything was going good for WCW. And I dare say next month, in just a few weeks actually, things would really change because that would be the Montreal Screwjob. And then of course Starcade 97 and the first in... A line of mistakes, I believe, that WCW would make while WWF seized the opportunity. They started... The Mr. McMahon character became prevalent, and the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin was full steam ahead. They could have... WCW could have bounced back from a few mistakes if they had just gotten their shit back together. But it was a death sentence for mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake and you've got the your opponent is man they're striking while the iron's hot they see you're screwing up they can't seem to make a mistake yeah, yeah. They, they're you know they see you screwing up and they can't they're just bam everything's working so smoothly and it took off and there was no catching back up and so this is i'd say the last pay-per-view even though WCW still had the lead in the Monday Night Wars until about halfway, well, it was like spring of 98 when they yeah. when they started losing. They went back and forth a little bit, and then it was it was over after that. But, uh, so really, the down the, the downfall as far as their, their dominance didn't occur until later, but I would say this is actually the last pay-per-view before the end was in sight, when, yeah. when WWF was about to ramp up the roles were getting ready to swap swap very very suddenly yeah the trends were about to reverse it's it's good to be king for 93 or 83 weeks in a row or whatever and now your 83 or 93 weeks is about to become your death sentence right so we are in las vegas and nevada side of wrestlemania 9 as well and a few other i believe halloween havocs were here now, last year's Halloween Havoc, the 96 edition, was Macho Man and Hogan in the main event. And this is when they thought Macho Man's contract was up. They didn't know if he was going to come back, so they wrote him off, basically. And Rowdy Roddy Piper debuted last year at the same event, came out, and then had a match later on with Hogan uh, in the 96, I think at Starcade or so- sometime. It was a non-title match, but he put Hogan asleep. Yeah. And they didn't tell the crowd in advance, oh, this is a non-title match. And so the next night on on Nitro, here comes Hogan with the belt. And it's just like, oh, sorry, we didn't tell you. It was a bait and switch. Yeah. It was a really shitty tactic. Because Roddy Piper uh, came in and said, I'm not affiliated with any wrestling organization. WCW, NWO, WWF, whatever. I'm just 
a real independent contractor. And even in a year later, in 1997... You believe that? Well, he's still playing it up, even yeah. though he was the kayfabe-like commissioner at yeah. this point. He booked himself into this match. Yeah. Now, Patrick, if you are in charge of booking your own match... And it's against the World Heavyweight Champion. Title's on the line. Okay, just checking. I just <laughs> wanted to check because Rowdy Roddy Piper seemed to have forgotten that in the contract negotiation. But we'll speak about that later. He wanted Hogan so bad that he didn't care. Yeah, he did. Titles be damned. Titles be damned. If Commissioner Piper was, you know, if we believe in our hearts that he booked this show, then he got about three matches in and I thought, man, he did a really great job. But then it was all... It was all downhill from there. I think there was... We we picked up at... We picked up there. But that was pretty much it. I wouldn't even say that was... Really? Yeah. Wow. So our, our commentary team for tonight is Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes. But unfortunately, these first three matches would feature cruiserweights and foreign wrestlers. So we can't have... Dusty. We can't have any of these three guys because they know nothing about uh, (laughs) wrestling, apparently. So we bring in Mike Denae for a fourth mic. We have an unannounced match to kick things off, as WCW would often do, as Sonny Ono brings out Yuji Nagata, who is Daniel Bryan's favorite wrestler. In Japanese wrestling, he is regarded as one of the best from the last couple of decades. And uh, it's a vendetta. Not between the two wrestlers, though. It's between... The manager, Sonny Ono, and his former wrestler, the Ultimo Dragon. That's right. Which, if you were the Ultimo Dragon, why do you care? Because Sonny Ono, we've talked about it before, is probably my least favorite manager of all really? time. Really? He is awful. He doesn't interfere enough. A lot of times he was fumbling with his camera, taking selfies with his disposable camera. When he did interfere, it'd be after the match was over, so he had no, okay. you know, he didn't determine the outcome of a match. He didn't really promote wrestlers well because he was supposed to be, you know, this non-English speaker himself, even though he's American. Right. He's, like, from North Dakota or somewhere. Correct. He was, like, Garrett Bischoff's karate instructor and and Eric's karate instructor. So, he's just awful. And he's... I'll be sure to let him know that you think that. I don't think the person is awful, but the (laughs) character is awful because... Anytime there was an Asian wrestler, be it a Chinese wrestler, a Japanese wrestler, yeah. it's, oh, get Sonny Ono to bring him out. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. He, he, bad guy, good guy, doesn't matter. Bring out Sonny Ono. And this was just Bischoff giving a job to one of his friends. And I mean, I just, and I, can you remember a good Sonny Ono promo? I mean, do you, do you remember oh, any? Oh, God, Yeah. Okay, God, well. So, I just... If I was Ultimo Dragon, I'd be like, oh, you want a new client? Good. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have freed me. I am now able to move on in my career and my life. So it's Ultimo Dragon, Yuji Nagata. Dragon no-sells shoulder blocks, lands one of his own. Dragon leg sweeps Nagata. Nagata hits a beautiful release German suplex, almost like a T-bone looking one. Dragon does his turnbuckle headstand into a kick and then lands some kicks on Nagata. Nagata works a chin lock on Dragon. Nagata tries to tear away at the mask of Ultimo Dragon. It was a, an assault on masks tonight in this uh, pay-per-view. Dragon suplexes out of it. Nagata lands some kicks to Dragon's back and then locks in the camel clutch. 
We get a pile driver to the dragon for a near fall, a vertical suplex for a one count to Ultimo Dragon, then Nagata goes back to the chin lock and choking Dragon with his boot. Nasty kicks from Nagata, it kicks, yes kicks, whatever you want to call them, and they keep Dragon grounded. Then Dragon hits a Dragon Screw Leg Whip, fittingly enough, which stops Nagata's kicks. Dragon tries a Pescado but gets kicked in the gut for his attempt. Then hits his namesake Asai Moonsault to Nagata out on the uh, ramp. Nagata tries a superplex, but Dragon hits a Sunset Flip power bomb. Then we cut away because Raven's Flock take their seats during this match. What would Raven's Flock do tonight? Not a damn thing. That's correct. Dragon hits a top turnbuckle Moonsault for a near fall. Nagata drops Dragon's arm over the turnbuckle steel, almost like a uh, Kerry Von Erich, J- uh, Jerry Lawler reference here. Dragon is said to have bone chips in his elbow. Nagata then hooks in the Nagata lock, which is a modified uh, cloverleaf. Dragon makes it to the ropes. Dragon locks Nagata in the dragon sleeper, but Nagata gets to the ropes. They exchange strikes on their knees before Dragon kicks him back down. Dragon hits a top rope Frankensteiner, but no sells his arm and can't pin him. So he puts the dragon sleeper on with his bad arm, which was a stupid idea. Nagata simply flips it into an arm bar, and dragon taps out immediately, which is the way it should be in if you are selling your arm and you're in a submission with your arm. Just tap out. Save yourself. Yeah. And he did. Nagata, not satisfied with that, though, continues the attack on Dragon's arm, and Ono, Sonny Ono, here he comes. He had been standing there the whole match. He could have helped his buddy, uh, Yuji Nagata, cheat. But now he comes into the ring after the match was won cleanly by Yuji Nagata. He comes in, and he kicks Ultimo Dragon. Sonny Ono had a hitman tonight named Yuji Nagata and put a check in his pocket, which should be done more in wrestling. I I like to see the exchange of money in wrestling. Yeah. It works great. The um, I've never had bone chips, ever. Have you ever had bone chips? Uh, no, that sounds like a terrible snack. Oh, you mean in the arm? In uh, the arm, the knee, where? No, that sounds terrible. I know that people get them in their heel a lot, yes. in their feet, yeah, or bone spurs. I guess yeah. is what they're called. In they're there. two different things, from what I've been told. Uh, it sounds terrible. I don't know if they were actually if he was really injured and this is a way to write him off to me it sounds like a broken arm if you have it in if you got him in your elbow it sounds like you broke your fucking elbow yeah it probably sounds like you shouldn't be cleared to compete in this match you shattered your elbow and it's bones are just floating around in there (laughs) like that's what it sounds like to me but it was so personal for sun you know (laughs) to get back at sunny ono that ultimo dragon risked breaking his arm even further so odd that they gave nagato a win here but he did have a slight push as i recall in wcw but it never really went anywhere yeah i didn't go nowhere as soon as muda showed back up in the nwo i don't think that was that was pretty much it for him well and most of the japanese talent that when they had this exchange with new japan they just weren't weren't pushed and yeah uh, the psychology made sense because, uh, you know, Ultimo Dragon's arm did him in, and that's what they worked on, but Nagata kept going to the chin lock, and uh, I didn't really like that. But outside of that, it was a great opening match. Uh, not the all-out high-flying cruiserweight match, but we would get that a little bit later on, but it was still a great match between two uh, legendary wrestlers uh, from Japan. What did you think of the match? I thought it was a good, good kickoff. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah. It had a lot of, of basic wrestling psychology. It just, it was very well done. I thought it was a great kickoff match. And some great, some great kicks thrown by Yuji Nagata, who was uh, throwing some stiff kicks, which were not uh, the norm. Then now, now everyone throws these kicks. Now everyone wears kick pads and throws them. Disco Inferno is with Mark Madden on WCWWrestling.com. He claims he's making history tonight by wrestling a woman. Um, someone needs to tell Disco Inferno that this had been done um, before. Numerous times. Yes, yeah, so several times. And in fact, I mean, what comes to mind, of course, Andy Kaufman. I mean, so Disco Inferno, not a student of pro wrestling. and uh, Glenn Gilberti. Yeah, Glenn Gilberti does not apparently uh, know that men have wrestled women in the past. Jackie, though, interrupts his interview and beats his ass. So, a preview of things to come. Oh, man. Preview for a match that it was, went way too long. Yes. <laughs> yes. Glad you that was, me that you've already previewed my review of that match. Oh, God. Ghetto, the current New Japan booker, who, which I always thought his name was Gato, but okay. I thought it was Gato as well. They called him Ghetto, so that's what I'm going to go with, but... Uh, he is the current booker of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he's taking on Chris Jericho, who works in New Japan Pro Wrestling today, How in 2018. Ironic. So, yeah. Here they are, and they had worked together in the uh, Super J Cup, and they had worked, as Mike Tanay would tell us, we get all this information and backstory from Mike Tanay, so thank goodness he was... I love Dusty's line here and asking him, "Does is there any... It might have been Heenan, actually, that asked him, is there any wrestler or any information he doesn't know? Yeah. And that made me laugh pretty hard. So, Lionheart Chris Jericho, before he would turn heel, uh, gets smacked by Ghetto. They were former tag team partners. And then Mike Tanay explains the J-Cup, how it's a tournament. And he explains how Ghetto beat Jericho and Six in that tournament, as WCW wrestlers were allowed to participate, and uh, included the likes of Chris Benoit, and I think Eddie took part in one. Uh, the Super J Cup, I have one on DVD, but like the 94 and 95 editions, I think, are supposed to be really, really good uh, really? wrestling shows. But I, I have yet to ever check them out. I think they're on YouTube. I think they're How easy. do you find them? Were they put out by WCW? or were they No, just... they, was, they were put out by New Japan, so you'd really? have to get them on tape traders would, yeah. were, was how people were seeing them. But uh, I actually have one on DVD somewhere, but I just, I've never popped it in but i've i've heard that they're amazing i'm intrigued now i mean they still do the super j cup to this day uh and you can see it on new japan world i'm sure they probably have these editions on new japan world on that streaming service so uh maybe one day we'll we'll dive into some of these super j cups uh jericho hits a delayed vertical suplex then he skins the cat but he gets clotheslined over anyway we get a power slam to Jericho for a near fall, a sleeper to Jericho. A sleeper was a theme of the night as well as oh. ripping off the mask. Everybody was into the sleeper. Putting me to sleep as well a lot of the times. Not this match, though. Jericho drops Ghetto on his back to escapes. He clotheslines him. A double powerbomb from Jericho. Not quite the triple that he would break out in WWF, but a double to Ghetto for a two count. Jericho and Gato botch a Frankensteiner, or a counter to one. I don't know what they were trying off the top turnbuckle. Uh, it was... It was rough to watch. It was a disaster coming off the top turnbuckle. Jericho tries a Pescado, but gets countered with a Gato kick. Jericho tries a German, but Gato just flips and lands on his feet. Drops Jericho on his knee. Tries a missile drop kick to Jericho's bad knee, which missed badly. And Jericho just grabs him, puts him in the Lion Tamer, which... Is my favorite Chris Jericho move, I think. 
And wins the match. He needs to break it out more often. He can only do it on small guys. And at, at his age now, I think his own back probably wouldn't want him to do it this way. Sitting down in the full crab is probably much more comfortable for him. Uh, but this was very similar to the first match in that it was weird, though, because they had the guy with the bad leg, Jericho, win the match with a move that involved his leg, the Lion mm-hmm. Tamer. But, okay, fine. But it was uh, pretty crazy to see uh, Gato, or Ghetto as they called him here in, in WCW, as I don't recall seeing him on any other WCW show. So, uh, Tanae brought up the fact that they were trying to work out a long-term deal with him, but I guess that, that fell through. The WWF certainly wouldn't put on matches like these first two, where you have basically unknown stars to the American audience put on a decent match. Yeah, I mean, coming out of the gate here, uh, you had Jericho, which was hot around this time, and you had Ultimo Dragon, which was extremely hot around this time, because the matches between him and Ray were just legendary throughout the... uh, the few they were having in 96, and then... Well, and Dragon had come out with all the belts. That's when he yeah, had all the early belts. Yeah, 97. Yeah. Um, but to take on two guys that, you know, people didn't know, and then to tear the house down with them, I thought it was done very well. So we go backstage with Mean Gene, who's with Debra. Debra has a surprise for Mongo, she says, in a bad way. She's got a surprise opponent for him tonight. It was originally supposed to be Jeff Jarrett, but he had packed his bags and went back to the WWF. So it's going to be a surprise opponent. Steve Mongo McMichael interrupts. He says, I want a divorce. Guess what, Steve? One year later, you'd get one right around this time. Uh, But uh, we'll see what Deborah has in store for Mr. Mongo later on tonight. Match of the night next. They were actually truly married, by the way. They were, yes. A lot of fans thought that was bullshit, that they actually were married. Well, I mean, the way it was presented on screen, it would be hard to believe because she was always paired with Jeff Jarrett, and then when she went, uh, when Jarrett went back to WCW, she was paired with Austin, who was then her husband, and so she was with Mongo a very brief time in WCW because he started out as the commentator, she was with Flair... He starts, he joins the horsemen, she's now with him, but then she immediately drops him for Jarrett, his own wife. Yeah. It's very strange how yeah. this went about. And it always makes me think, was there anything to Jeff Jarrett, I mean, Jeff Jarrett was a married man as well, was there anything, you know, it just seems odd to me. He left to go back to WWF, and crazy enough, Debra, a year later, Debra yeah. goes in tow with him, a year later, to manage him. It just it just seems I know that, you know, men and women can be friends, obviously, and yeah. have professional relationships. I mean, you see Macho Man and Liz later and they'd been divorced for years years at, at this, this point. Yeah. But they could still work together. But it just seems odd to me that Jarrett and Deborah were paired together for so long and that there there couldn't have been I mean, it's just look, I, I don't know. But it just always seemed to me like there had to have been something going on. But we'll never know. Oh, I'm sure we'll know at some point, Tom. The next Jeff Jarrett tell-all book, maybe. Uh, Or the next Deborah tell-all book is probably more likely. As uh, Jarrett's got Karen Angle. So he actually did steal away. Well, his wife had passed away, sadly, and he was... But he did... I mean, 
this became reality later, and they took a, another wrestler's life, basically, and they turned it into a story. I don't know. Wrestling gets weird when, when it gets like this, with, like, Chris Benoit and woman and Kevin Sullivan and all that stuff, and just... When oh, you add women, wrestle, women and wrestling together, you get... No, it's when you bring in these real-life relationships, <laughs> and then you start having storylines where people are cheating on people, and then that becomes reality. Yeah. It's just strange. I don't know. Yeah. That's like Renee Young's gonna leave, you know. Dean Ant now he's Dean a Ant bad is. guy. Yeah. <laughs> she, she can't be commentary for him no more, so that's it. They're done. They're over. Right. <laughs> so we have the match that you chose this pay per view because of basically next as Rey Mysterio will take on Eddie Guerrero. Ray comes out in his phantom homage mask. Which and, is a great movie that had just come out a month or two before this. And he has his uh, full body suit with his mask sewn right into his suit, which in a mask versus title match is a good idea if you don't want your mask to be ripped off. To just sew it in. That way, uh, I mean, Bobby even points it out. He's going to have to get him naked, basically. He's going to yeah. have to rip all his clothes off to get his mask off. Eddie is the champion, and he's got his new fresh heel persona as... He had been babyface Eddie Guerrero for the first few years in the company and his white leotard and his mustache, but now he had his glorious mullet and his tights and he was uh, ready to uh, take on the world and, as a heel, as he as a bland babyface just had nothing and uh, would pretty much stay heel the rest of his career. Ray gives a mask to a fan right out of the Bret Hart playbook. Then we get Eddie Sucks Chance. Mysterio hits a moonsault into an arm drag, and they both go outside. Ray tries a somersaulting plancha, but lands on the apron, and Eddie rips him right down. Like, as soon as he lands on the apron, Eddie just grabs his leg and Swings just whips, his, yeah. whips it right out from under him. Jeez, and that was a hard bump for Ray. Eddie throws Ray headfirst into the steps. Eddie hurls Ray into the ring and gets fired up. He gets chops and uppercuts delivered to Ray. Dropkick slows Eddie down, but he recovers with a back suplex to Ray. A brainbuster to Ray gets a two count. A tilt a whirl backbreaker to Ray for a two count. Then Eddie starts tearing away at the mask. He's not going to wait for the outcome of this match. He's just going to take his mask off now. An abdominal stretch while Eddie tries to rip the mask off of Ray's face. And he gets, uh, I'd say, about a third of it off, actually. So you get to see a little bit he's of pulling, he's, Ray's face. He's pulling on it, but he didn't expect the stitches to give as quickly as they did. And so it just rips. I mean, it rips halfway up his head. Lots of pinfall attempts here from Eddie. Ray hits a springboard DDT to Eddie out of a moonsault. One of the greatest moves in this match. I, I can't do it justice. You just have to go back and see it as... Uh, it was beautiful. We verbally can't do this match justice. Well, yeah, a lot was happening. They they were going at a million miles an hour, by the way. I don't think Eddie moved this fast ever again in any of his matches. This was probably this was the fastest. Great. And this was his... Well, we'll get to it, but... Yeah, well, I think... I think this is both men's best, best match. Best match. Yeah. I mean, this... Yeah. Eddie dropkicks Ray to the outside. We get a camel clutch to Ray... And Eddie starts ripping at Mysterio's mask again. Then we get the gory special to Ray from Eddie. Ray hits an arm drag, but Eddie hits a seated drop kick to Ray. A backbreaker to Ray from Eddie. Bow and arrow to Ray. Then Eddie hits a running elbow to Ray. Chops to Ray in the corner, but Ray battles back. Eddie throws Ray into the tree of woe and hits him with a drop kick. 
Then he tries a baseball slide, but crotches himself. Ouch. Then Ray flies from a plancha from the top turnbuckle to Eddie Guerrero, who is outside, and they crash into the guardrail. Then we get a Hurricane Rana from Ray when they get back into the ring for a near fall. Ray then catches Eddie in a 619 style head scissors that takes Eddie out. Then he hits a somersaulting senton out on the rampway and takes Eddie and the cameraman out, who was not expecting this. Uh, they get back in the ring. Ray launches himself in a corkscrewing shoulder tackle to Eddie for a near fall. A scoop slam from Eddie, but Eddie blocks the split-legged moonsault with his knees and annihilates Ray with one of the nastiest power bombs into a pin for a two-count that I can ever recall. Eddie then rams Ray's back into the post. Ray hits a spinning heel kick, calls for the springboard Hurricane Rana, but Eddie catches him with a backbreaker. He wants the frog splash. Eddie sees that Ray rolls out of the way, so he rolls through it, crotches Ray on the turnbuckle, tries a super back suplex attempt, but then he says, you know what, no, I'm going to try a super razor's edge off the top turnbuckle, but Ray counters it into a Hurricane Rana and the win. As Ray is the champion and keeps his mask. He holds his legs. The the finish to this match is the most unbelievable Hurricane Rana Frankensteiner. And to be able to, in split second, grab his leg and hold it the way he did. It's not like Eddie's legs went all the way down and then he had to shuffle to get him back up. I mean, he landed Eddie on his head, basically, and he- held onto his legs before he made contact. It was, God, this match, we can't do justice for. This This is match of the night. This is... Well, some people consider it to be WCW's greatest match. I it, mean, it's, it is, it's held in that high of a regard. Yes, and uh, 1997's match of the year. And think about that. Match of the year, you're talking about the Montreal screw job with so much controversy around it. You're talking about uh, 97, I do believe, was... Well, that'd be WrestleMania 13. That'd be see, the, the submission match with Austin and Brett. I mean, other matches that Pro Wrestling Illustrated could have named, and this was match of the year in their eyes. That's how huge of an... I mean, just... We verbally don't do this match justice. It is one that is, for any wrestling fan, is a must-watch. I don't think Meltzer actually gave this five stars. He gave it like four and a half or 4.75 or something, but he's gone back and said that it was probably a five-star match. But it's, yeah, it's an amazing match. It's it, it's all downhill from here on this card. Uh, you, you think that there's at least one other match worth watching, but... In my opinion, uh, you should turn the pay-per-view off now. I hope you keep listening to our podcast, but uh, the pay-per-view part, I would just go ahead and say this is this is this is it. This should have been main event. <laughs> yeah, okay. I bet Hogan would have. Uh, who's gonna be at Crown Jewel, by the way? I bet Hogan would have been the first person to stand up and say yes. Those two guys should main event. No, it wasn't gonna happen in this political environment in WCW. And probably not even in the WWF, the land of the giants. But uh, it had the it had a stipu- it had a good stipulation. There was two performers that had great chemistry because they were friends. They wrestled a lot together. They they know each other very well. I mean, timing and, was excellent. Yes, no botches. Everything was match match was impeccable. I mean, 
And very fast-paced. Just I Very fast. Not a lot of rest holes. Not a lot no. of takedowns and let's work out what we're going to do. I mean, it was just bam, 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 bam. It was... It's it's a beautiful match. I mean, you well, can't... And Tanae mentions how important the mask is to a Lucha Libre wrestler or whatever. So, in that sense, the psychology makes sense. Because Ray needs to fight for... This is his heritage. This is everything... To him, this is well, his character, and it shows Eddie in another light as well. As he says, you know, which is the truth. Eddie, up to this point, was the only person to relinquish his title, not being forced to, not by losing a title, not by you mean his mask or his mask. Sorry, relinquish his mask, not you know by the loss of a masked match or anything like that. He did it, you know, on his own, and so, I mean, it's it's the perfect match, I would say. So now that the good part of the pay-per-view is over, we go to Mean Gene Okerlund, who makes some joke about the craps table. Call the fucking hotline already. 1-900-909-9900. He says the click is looking to add one more member. Uh-oh. $1.59 a minute. Kids, get your parents' permission before calling. Now, I guess this was uh, their... Maybe they were trying to get Sean to sign or something, and that's what they were going to tease on the hotline. But outside of that, I have no idea what they're... Around this time, they were so hot that they actually were reaching out to try to get Sean. That has been Well, but Bischoff says that he never had any interest in getting Sean, because Sean... Why would Sean want to come over? Because he was in the best position in the company. He was the top dog. Well, so was Scott Hall. I mean, Hall and Nash, and they walked. Well, Clark Nash was champion and lost the belt to go over. Well, no, I mean Nash had already lost had lost the belt in '95, so he was. I think he was falling a little bit down the card because they'd had their worst time ever with him as champion. So I think he knew that he's probably going to be stuck at IC champ level over there, and just a lot of money. And yeah. uh, but Sean saw the Sean saw that. I'm going to be the guy. Okay, so if there's one person at this point in time, because we talked about it, tables turned, one person off the WWF roster you could bring, or a tag team that you could bring over to try to possibly save WCW. Th- who do you go for? I think that WCW was so heavy on the heel side with the NWO that you really had a lack of baby faces that were big baby faces as far as popularity i mean ddp was on the rise luger who had had the belt earlier in the year was sort of on the decline the giant flipped back i mean he's to this day in 2018 is still flipping back and forth you never know (laughs) with this guy and i mean when you're the giant you can't really be and you're a dog like this you can't be the baby face but so the people on the WWF roster, though, it was... Flair? Flair's a heel. I mean, Flair is... Tonight, he was working as a baby face. Around around this era of WCW, though, he worked baby. Because he had to, because of the damn NWO. Exactly. But, like, it's not... So, who would you bring, though? Because you got the likes of, of a Sean. But got... the thing is, if I bring someone over from WWF, how will WCW handle them? My pick... Uh, at this time, uh, but he was already a heel at this point, I think, in 97. I would have picked The Rock. 
But if he was still in his Rocky Maivia character and you could do something with him and you discovered his potential on the microphone, he would. I don't know how you just start him off, though, as, I, as a good guy. I go with Sean. Sean. But Kevin, Sean can't be a good guy. But he's coming off of the 96 boyhood dream run. You could easily swap him back. And he could he could hold I think he could hold hold true with uh with Well the, he would have history with the other guys with with Nash. Uh certainly you could revive a feud there. Hall. Yeah, the latter match. I mean he has history. Waltman six. He's got publicity. He's got history with being able to to stand toe to toe with the NWO. But I just think he's a better heel than a babyface. And I just think that they would have just given him an NWO shirt. Oh, yeah, they would have for sure. <laughs> so. But if you were running WCW, you could get one person. Well, Brett, I mean, if I mean, had they used Brett properly, Brett could have been part the of. The saving grace. Yeah, could have been part of WCW taking. I mean, they never WCW never got their comeuppance on the NWO, but he could have been. One of the good guys that I guess that Starcade '97 finish was supposed to align him in that way with like Sting and Luger and those guys, but they, they couldn't just help. It. They couldn't help but give him an NWO shirt and say, "Here you go, join the club." I'd bring Brett over and I'd bring Owen over. I guess I'd bring the whole Heart Foundation over. Oh yeah, absolutely. But they were bad guys. Though. Owen would have Owen would have done great. Owen would have been a great babyface. Yeah, Owen would have flown so high, though, in WCW. He would have, I mean, he definitely would have took that Luger role and be main eventing right alongside with Goldberg and stuff for the WCW heavyweight Well, team. see, I think those guys would have said, oh, he's still too small. See, so, but his work ethic, his abilities. But, I mean, imagine some of the matches they could have had between, like, Owen and Benoit and Owen and Eddie and yeah. all those, man, they... Yeah, it would have been he'd, fantastic. He'd have been a great workhorse that I feel like would have shined They had into the main event picture. I mean, they had a baby face in Rey Mysterio Jr. that had they wanted to put him in the mix with the heavyweight guys, he could have he would have been a huge merch seller. And I mean, he wasn't there on the microphone and I don't think he ever got there on the mic, but he never really got a shot and Sometimes you don't need to do a lot of talking. Sometimes you can just be a really great wrestler and be a superhero. You let your actions speak. And David can beat Goliath in pro wrestling. That's what makes pro wrestling great. And so yeah. they had people on the roster that were capable of being huge stars, you know, babyface stars, but they just, oh, you're too, too damn small. That Well, that's like Vince saying that. And I don't know, Bischoff, you know, he he didn't care. They're, they're riding high. They They weren't even thinking about... The future, as you would see later with one of their uh, their big top baby face a year from now, they think about turning. He's basically a heel on this show. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about this. <laughs> it was shocking later on. <laughs> he was basically the APA. Yeah. So anyway, you, you see, well, pretty much next after. Okay. Yeah, well. it's pretty much next. After you know something. Yeah. Gene wants to know what Tony will be wearing for Halloween for some reason. We go backstage with Eric Bischoff. Now, these were shot so stupidly <laughs> because, okay, most of those NWO 
the following the following announcement was paid for by NWO. Those were shot in a style of grainy film, black and white, good cuts, good production value. Tonight they were like, I guess Hogan was like, not showing up to pre-tape these, brother. So do it live. So they decided to do them live in, or, in, or pre-tape them that night. But, it, in black and white. But only do it in black and white. No grainy footage. No. No the, the following announcement. No cuts. It sucked. It looks so <laughs> stupid. So it's in black and white for some reason. Hogan says, I'm not going to be wrestling tonight. You know what, brother? I'm not going to wrestle tonight because Sting, if he's not kicked out of the building, then I'm not coming out. I'm taking these boots off, throwing them back in my bag, and I'm walking down Vegas Strip. Well, and Bischoff adds that it's just too dangerous to wrestle. It's not safe for the fans with people coming out of the ceiling and cages coming down. Bischoff has a point here. We don't want Sting selling popcorn. We don't want him cleaning up after the show. He can't buy a ticket into the cheap seats. We want him out barred from the arena or we're not wrestling. We're taking the boots off and we're going to the house. He'll only wrestle if WCW provides a contract that says Sting can't come into the building Hogan then blabbers on forever about taking the belt back or something, which I'm like, you're the champ. You don't need to take the belt back. You will find out later why. Yes. Hogan threatens to leave if his demands aren't met. It'd be like, see you later. Bischoff says, yeah, you'll have to get another main event. And I'm like, yes, please do that. Yes, (laughs) rebook this thing. So stupid uh, promo here. Uh, okay. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, boss, what I love most about, oh, you got it. You know what I love most about all the mirrors in the dressing room here at MGM is somebody spend some bread, man. Just like we like spending bread. They show Hollywood true to form. Every strand, every striation, every little ripple in my body. But I kind of feel bad because, you know, we're on this possible, I feel real bad that the people out there tonight that came to see Hollywood do the Roddy one in are not going to get their due. Absolutely not. Gene Okerlund, Tony Schiavone, I've got a newsflash for you, J.J. Dillon, and the rest of the corporate chumps at Turner. Here's the deal. It's been quite obvious for the past several weeks that WCW has not been able to provide a safe working environment for the most important man in Hollywood and the World Heavyweight Champion. You haven't been able to do it. You've got guys coming out of the roof on ropes. You've got cages falling down in the middle of the ring. It's not safe. And it is for not- For my fans. For the fans. Oh. And it's, Hollywood is not afraid for himself. I want the world out there to know this. Hollywood would like to wrestle tonight. I can't let him. I won't let him because it's not safe for the fans at ringside. It's not safe for anybody. So, therefore, Hollywood will not wrestle tonight in any way, shape, or form unless, unless WCW provides me and Hollywood with a contract, an agreement, legal binding agreement, that states that Sting will not be allowed in the building any way, shape, or form. He can't sell popcorn. He can't come in and clean up after the show. He can't buy a cheap seat and sit in the rafters and watch. He is not allowed in the building. Or we go home, we go party. Well, you know, case in point, man, Hollywood is the god of professional wrestling. Hollywood made wrestling, so we win either way. You know, everybody knows that we're the NWO champ. The boss here, he don't take no guff from none of these peons, man. That long and winding road, that paper trail to get Hollywood's belt back is intact. 
And whether I beat up Piper today or if I have to go to his house tomorrow, I'm going to take care of business. I just feel real bad that you guys shortchange the fans, that the WCW is just as low as that no good sting, that coward is just as low as Piper. Who wants this to happen? He doesn't want any part of me, man. He's praying that JJ won't rise to the occasion, won't do something like a man would do, won't put his name on the dotted line. So either way it goes, we win. Whether I have to wait a couple more hours to take my belt back legally, or whether somebody gets some guts around here and signs on the dotted line and gives me Piper first, and I beat him. No, you know, oh, I can't believe this. You know something? The boots are starting to come off. I'm gonna start the momentum in the other way. If I don't see JJ, these boots are in the bag, and I got my backpack, there's no turning back, Eric. It's gonna be all over for JJ Dillon because the fans are gonna run him out of the WCW. Not that we can't, but the fans will. So the way it goes, we win either way. Either do your homework, get it done, and I'll destroy Piper for all my fans, or we'll take the other one. Or it get really another main event. Yeah. We're out of oh, here. Oh, yeah. Boy, they'll really be happy to see someone other than Hollywood. Let's go. There's a lot of things to do here. We cut back. Okay. This is what makes this, because this goes with the promo in my picture. We cut back, and you've got Dusty, and you got Heenan, and you've got everybody freaking the hell out. Oh my God, he's gonna leave! What the hell? This and will I, consume Tony's night. And I'm about sitting Hogan. here. I'm sitting here going, "He's NWO. You're not right. supposed to give a shit. <laughs> Take your shit and leave. We don't want you here. Why are you freaking out about it? Yeah, he doesn't have the title. Literally Monday before this, uh, Piper steals the belt so he can be the champ all he wants, but he he doesn't physically have the title. Who gives a shit? Leave. Take off, go! We will throw somebody else in that... that Probably some WCW wrestlers. Yes! Yeah, very good point. You know, I didn't even think about that, the psychology of the, the, the WCW commentator, Tony Schiavone, being so concerned that the NWO, a villain, that's yeah. threatening to... They're all going to lose their jobs if the NWO win. Yes. But he's like, oh, please come back. Oh, I hope he comes back. That, that just blew my mind watching this. Because, like you said... He's infatuated with this for at least three more matches afterwards. And I'm just sitting there going, who gives a shit? Let him go. Right. And I'm not sure that the fans in the arena got to see the promo. So, right. like. They don't know. Yeah, they don't know. They, I, I guess they would be kind of pissed off that you bait and switched them. But WCW was known for that. Like, they already saw a great match. But, um. <laughs> The, just the psychology well, of Well, and this. also just the psychology of their promo. Like, oh, it's too dangerous to wrestle with cages and guys coming out of the ceiling. I, that's only been going on for a year. Yeah, you know? Like, yeah. You know it's dangerous to wrestle with, uh, Hogan? When you fucking hit people with belts. It's pretty dangerous <laughs> to with wrestle. With white belt. Yeah. It just, that, that... I don't know about you, but that literally ate like a crawl up my ass. It pissed me off so bad. That they just went on and on and on and on. And I was like, you're missing the bigger picture here. You're not grasping what he's giving you what you want. (laughs) Win the war tonight. He is giving you what you have been begging to get to finally win. 
and now all of a sudden you're like, no, please don't. Yeah, J.J. Dillon, get down here with some paperwork. Yeah. We gotta get this thing saved. It just, God, it was brutal. It's time for Mongo. Yes, Mongo McMichael follows Eddie and Ray. What a crazy... Not Bongo, Mongo. Yeah. Mongo, Steve Mongo McMichael. Deborah comes out. What is her surprise for Steve Mongo McMichael? Is this Shawn Michaels? Did she could score be. a major upset? We had the hotline tease. Who it, could this it could be? be? It could be anybody. It could be, I mean, hell, it could be a Kurt Henning. It could be a Ric Flair. It could be, I mean, anyone. Ben, Benoit. Benoit. I mean. Maybe Ed, he's getting kicked out of the horseman right yeah, now. Yeah, it could be anybody at this point in time. You know who it is? Alex Veidt. Yes. Das Wunderkid, which made me laugh. What a surprise. Yeah. I mean, geez. Yeah. Oh, so, man. This should be something. Oh, this was brutal. Mongo works Wright's arm. He scoop slams him for a near fall. Wright works McMichael's arm. Mongo drops knees to Wright's arm. European uppercuts from Wright puts Mongo down. Wright lands some strikes on Mongo. Mongo scoop slams Wright again. Tony Schiavone only cares about Hulk Hogan and hoping that he can make it to the main event. <laughs> Wright lands a nasty-looking spinning heel kick. He tries a tombstone on Mongo. Holy shit, I thought he was Who came up with this ending? I don't know, but I was scared for both men in this because I was like, somebody's not walking out of this match. They would do this finish with Mongo a lot, where someone would try a tombstone on him and then he would reverse it into his own, which they gave him as a finisher, which they gave one of the worst wrestlers on their roster, one of the most dangerous moves. Which is terrifying. Yes, and so you have Alex Wright, who's probably half, less than half, the weight and mass of Steve Mongo McMichael. But it, but he stands like he's tall. He is at least a foot taller than Mongo. Yes, but you have him try to lift Mongo up in a tombstone, and it just all falls to pieces here. Well, Mongo they, reverses it. Well, tried to okay. start it. He they just fall to the ground. And Mongo just picks him up and hits a tombstone. So they just botched the, right. the you reverse your weight thing. But my whole thing of it is, is you've got a guy who's a foot taller than you. And you've got to try to position him properly without dropping him flat on his head. The, the Off the reverse. The fact that they thought that Mongo could reverse his weight. That Wright could bend back that far to yeah. do that spot. Yeah. It's just... Who? It's who crazy. Thought, uh, yeah, it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. So I'm glad that they botched it and he just scooped him up and tombstoned him. But it was the most terrifying thing. Anytime of, Mongo of night, <laughs> does a tombstone, it's pretty terrifying. Of the night. Because I thought Alex was done. I was like, there really is no more Doss Wonder No more kid. dancing. No more dancing. This is it. Then, the shocking... Thing that I totally forgot ever happened in WCW history. One month after making his debut against Hugh Morris, this unknown man and Kevin Sullivan on all these WWE documentaries, oh, that was my idea, Goldberg. I wouldn't let him talk. He was a fire-breathing monster. I said, no talking. Well, I guess that all went out the window tonight as not only did he talk, but he turned heel here tonight. He was a hired gun for Deborah McMichael, of yes. all people. This fire-breathing beast that has no sense of humanity. Doesn't, doesn't understand 
humans what? somehow spoke to Deborah McMichael, <laughs> got hired. Goldberg's mine now, baby. It's mine. Super Bowl ring! Always the way. Who's Always. got his ring? And he ran in in this match. Why is he not just in this match to begin with? They saved that for Starcade. That was the big Starcade match. Oh, well, yeah. Gotta save that one for down the road. It's the battle of the uh, Super Bowl ring. <laughs> yeah, I guess Goldberg was very bitter about being a member of the Atlanta Falcons and never having a Super Bowl ring of his own. So Goldberg runs in. He spears Mongo jackhammers him, and then drags Alex Wright. That's right, because Goldberg now suddenly cares for Alex Wright's win-loss record and helps Alex Wright and drags him over on Mongo as Deborah had this ref distracted for 20 minutes. Alex Wright wins. Oh, man, dude, the ref is turning around. He turns around three separate times and has to correct himself because he sees everything Goldberg's doing. It is brutal. Why didn't he just utilize instant replay like we'd see later tonight, Patrick? <laughs> uh, so Alex Wright wins, and Goldberg is a heel here. Goldberg is then paid his his money. So we have two instances of wrestlers getting paid, but his his is in the form of a Super Bowl twenty ring from Mongo McMichael's Chicago Bears Super yes. Bowl win. But then Goldberg says, you know what? I don't like Alex Wright either. So he decks Alex Wright, spears Alex Wright, jackhammers Alex Wright. Then just walks out. Yeah, but before he walks out, he talks to the fucking camera. This guy that's supposed to be, yeah, fire-breathing. I never let him speak. Bullshit, you did. You let him speak a month into his run. He was like, that right there, this is is mine now. And and just, what were you thinking? It's like uh, after he beats... Hugh Morris. He looks straight at the camera and he's like, that's one. And I'm going, what the fuck? So he well, did, it's he, just a lie then. He that, had a bad habit of doing that. Especially for a guy that su- supposedly was told, don't say a fucking word. Yeah, but here he's trying to be a heel, cut a heel promo to the yeah. camera. And I just thought it was a stupid thing to fuck with Goldberg's character early on like this. I guess they still, you know, the streak wasn't on the table yet. They hadn't come up with that, I guess. Yeah. And didn't know what to do with him. He's a WCW wrestler. He doesn't have an NWO shirt on. So he should be a babyface, I guess. Yeah. You know? Uh, going against Mongo, who's basically a heel. I mean, I don't, I don't know. This was just so stupid and bizarre. And just the fact that... Deborah McMichael somehow looked up Bill Goldberg's phone number and said, Hey, Bill, I've got a proposition for you. She expected Alex Wright to fail then, basically, is what she was... She was getting an insurance policy ready for if he didn't pull it off. Right. Well, what did he? What would he have won if he had just beat him clean? Did he get the Super Bowl ring? A night with her? I don't know. This was so stupid. It was done really bad. It was very weird. So now we go backstage for another black and white live promo. Which I love this promo. It was done very well. Savage and Liz, as Randy is into shill mode, as this Halloween Havoc is really brought to you by Slim Jim, as they had all the turnbuckles as giant Slim Jims. In this. Yeah. And he is the spokesperson, so he tried to incorporate snap into it about 50 times into this promo. Just don't get it! Don't get it at all. 
Hollywood and Eric Bischoff are trying to explain it to me. You don't even have to read between the eyes. They're uh, just being very, very direct. And if the cage match happens, if they get all the paperwork out of the way, it really doesn't affect me at all. Because I'm here because I want to be here because Diamond Dallas Page is a marked man. Yeah, and I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you tonight. Snap into it, yeah! And I'm gonna be celebrating with a six-pack of Slim Jims later on. Uh-huh. This year, right here, Slim Jims Halloween Havoc. Diamond Dallas Page, you gotta understand that I'm in the New World Order. And means something, yes it does. After tonight, you will be able to tell your great-grandchildren that you once had a glimpse of greatness, but then you couldn't handle it because you are nothing compared to the macho man, Randy Savage. You are nothing compared to the madness. And just to prove it, Elizabeth, what do you think of Diamond Dallas Page and his chances tonight? Well, Diamond Dallas Page, on his best day, shouldn't be anywhere near you in an arena. And I think his best bet would be probably right now to leave the arena. Man, the greatest wrestler on the planet. Yes, I am. And tonight, the danger factor and the risk factor is going to be sky high. Because I really don't care about hurting myself as I'm hurting you. So you don't even know what you got yourself into. Because there's no way out. And I'm the man. I'm the macho man, Randy Savage. And you, my friend. I made the monster and I destroy the monster. Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Snap into it. Check it out. Party time, Las Vegas. It's a gamble, but we like gambling, don't we? Yes, we do. New World Order. He's even got his Slim Jim jacket. He's almost turning face here because, like, how can you root against the? How can you root against Ronald McDonald? Well, I guess you can, but I mean, how can you be a bad guy and shilling for something that you're supposed to be selling? Yeah. You're, okay, so anyway, uh, Liz says DDP should just leave. So everyone should just leave tonight. That's that's the message from the NWO. Everyone just go home. Nothing to see here. Macho says, ooh, snap into it. Check it out. And I'll, I'll just include the promo, but it's, it's Macho Man. It's pretty funny because it was a Slim Jim commercial in live form. Yes, thinly veiled as a Macho Man promo. Yeah. Disco Inferno is out next to take on Jacqueline. Holy shit. He's somehow the TV champion, Glenn Gilberti. The Nevada Athletic Commission, they say, will not allow the title to be on the line tonight versus Jacqueline. So that tells me who's losing this match, that Disco will be losing. Jacqueline is in her Harlem Heat tights, as she was the manager at this point, which Harlem Heat, by the way, not on this show. Yeah. <laughs> These two guys, Booker T, your future world champ, eh, just leave him at home. And they didn't come out for her corner, either. Like, You want you, a little, another side note of it? We didn't have a single tag team match on this card. Wow, that is weird. Especially not, for Not WC. even one. Disco Inferno plays cowardly heel and he would do this for ages he leaves the ring without touching her yes or even locking up for the first at least 10 minutes of this match and he's a heel he should have no problem she he was assaulted earlier by her yeah he should have no problem just deck the shit out of and it's not like she is deborah and a little like 
Jacqueline is jacked. Like she has she's buff. big arms. Yeah, she's, like, she is. Yeah, she's ready. She looks like she can beat him up. Yeah, like, this doesn't look like a mismatch. This no. doesn't look like big man beating up little innocent woman. This looks yeah. like an even matchup. Yeah. But for some reason, he thinks that he is a good guy. All she of a looks. Sudden. She looks like Medusa or Jazz or um, who's another really jacked female? Um, Beth Phoenix. Like, she looks like she could stand toe-to-toe with him and kick his ass. So, Tony, he doesn't care about this match. He's still worried about Hulk Hogan. Who gives a shit? He's trying to give you what you want. Let it go. This match sucks, and the crowd turns and starts booing this match because Jackie finally gives chase. My goodness. She finally decides, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm going to go beat his ass. So, she hits a sunset flip and nearly beats him. He dropped toe holds her, finally does some offense, and then runs away again. All he does is run away. Finally, Jackie drops him with a boot, forearms, and then some ground and pound. Disco just leaves again, as that is the theme of the night for the rest of the night. Just leave. Jackie runs him down, beats the shit out of him. Jackie tries shoulder blocks, but he no-sells. He tries a hip toss, but she lands on her feet, and then she crotches Disco. Jackie snaps suplexes Disco on the ring mats. Hits a float over DDT in the middle of the ring to Disco. Jackie goes upstairs, hits a crossbody. He reverses the pressure and for a cover, but she kicks out at two. Then she just inside cradles him and gets the win. This should have been a three-minute squash match where Jacqueline just comes in and beats the shit out of Disco. Move on with our lives. But instead, this match, I swear, It took had like, to have gone 16, 17 minutes. It took nearly 10 minutes. 9.39. Holy shit, it felt like it was a lot longer. This was longer than the Jericho match, and it was almost... It was three seconds shorter than the Yuji Nagata match. Jesus. So This match was... It took forever. It felt almost like 20 minutes. Because you knew the result. You knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Because they spoiled it when they said, oh, the, the belt's on the line. And also... There's no reason for, I mean, there's no reason for him to beat her. So, of course, yeah, it, this should have just been a minute and a half. She comes in there and just destroys him. Owns his, yeah. And moves on. Owns his Because he's and... a chicken shit heel. He's a, a loser champion. He's a joke character. Done. But no. Ten fucking minutes. I mean, ridiculous. Yeah, it was brutal. The crowd did pop when Jackie hit the DDT and beat him, but outside of that, it was awful. It should have been for the TV belt. They would have beat WWF, giving China the IC belt here, and yeah. had, a, had a woman win the belt. I mean, where was Medusa? You know, after she drops the belt in the bin, it's like she disappears oh, from existence. Yeah, yeah. You didn't see her for a long, long time, till, till at least Savage showed back up. The NWO music plays, and it's Nature Boy Kurt Henning. As he had the audacity to cut the arms off the robe. The sleeves of this <laughs> red robe, this this most iconic robe, might I say, the WrestleMania 8 robe, this iconic legendary red Ric Flair robe has been defaced <laughs> by the sleeves being cut off. Not only did this man turn down Arn Anderson's spot in the Four Horsemen, slam a cage door in Ric Flair's face, but now he's defaced the robe, and that's the line you you cannot cross. Yeah, you don't fuck with Superman's cape, all <laughs> right. right? Like, you just don't. 
It's the Loser Leaves Raw rematch from Raw in 93 as it's Nature Boy Ric Flair taking on Kurt Hennig. Nature Boy, this, I don't recall seeing a Nature Boy Ric Flair match like this where he runs to the ring. No oh, he's rope, pissed. No pomp and circumstance. He's pissed. This one, this is, this is all out war because he tried to kill and end Ric Flair and Flair wants blood, and I am not exaggerating on that aspect. Yeah, he wouldn't get any blood, though. Neither of these guys. I'm very shocked that Flair didn't play in this match. <laughs> I but do. He takes it right to Henning. Flair goes right for Henning's legs and slams it against the post. He grabs a chair but misses. Big chop to Henning, followed by big strikes. Flair steals the rope, puts it on, and struts, and the crowd loves it as the proper man has the rope now. Uh, Henning hits his signature neck snap, goes to work on Flair's legs. Henning slams Flair's leg on the post. Now both men have bad legs. They get into a chop battle. Henning now lays some right hands into Flair's head while Henning slammed the door of the cage uh, into it at fall brawl. So this is trying to re-aggravate his head injury, I guess. We get a Flair flip to the outside. Henning wedges Flair's leg in the guardrail and stomps at it. Flair gets his head thrown into the guardrail, which is where I thought he would be blading at. Henning lands some more closed fists to Flair's noggin. Henning lands some more closed fists to Flair's head. By the way, Henning's the U.S. champ, and this is for the U.S. title. They didn't really emphasize that at all. We get into a chop battle again. A sleeper to Flair from Henning. Flair escapes with a belly to back. Henning takes Penzer's chair, Dave Penzer's chair, misses a shot to Flair's head. Flair catapults Henning's head into the ring post. Luckily, Slim Jim did pad the ring post, Patrick, and... Uh, the announcers point that out. But then Dusty gets mad at Tony for pointing that out. Being like, they're still hard, Tony. And the Tony's yeah. like, well, there's padding there. That's yeah. not. So we had an argument about kayfabe and kayfabe ring post between the two announcers. They got into it a couple of times on this show, Tony and Dusty. I believe this is one of Dusty's last commentary pay-per-views for that very reason. Yeah, as he would be forced to be Scott Hall's manager in the NWO. Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, the baby face of all baby faces. Yes, bad guy. Coming soon to a WCW show near you. Hinnon grabs his U.S. belt and leaves, as that is the theme of the night now. Just leave. Yeah. Flair runs him down. Hinnon wants a perfect plex on the belt in the ring, but Flair suplexes Hinnon instead. Flair puts Henning in the tree of woe. He wraps the belt around Henning's head and then just stomps the head of Kurt Henning with the belt wrapped around it and gets DQ'd, and Flair just beats down Henning. And then Flair, for some reason, turns heel on the refs and starts beating down the refs here. He wanted, His own boy, he, Charles Robb. He wanted Kurt Henning's blood, and by God, there wasn't nobody standing in his way. And Tony brings up a good point. Hey, WCW refs, why are you stopping this? This is a WCW guy beating up an NWO guy. Let him at it. All of a sudden, he understands wrestling psychology, but he's (laughs) pissed that Hogan's trying to leave? He understands some of it, but not all of it. I was... God, dude, this was... Henning is carried out with his face covered up by some of the other NWO guys. Mark Madden is now with Macho Man at WCWWrestling.com, and Macho Man is nervous about being on the internet. J.J. Dillon is with Mean Gene. Dillon says, Hogan, tonight you will wrestle. Bischoff then walks out, and J.J. brings a contract out of his pocket. Bischoff gets angry. He says, if Sting shows up, the NWO want Nitro. That's right. Okay, well, if that's not in the... I mean... Whatever. The the power structure here was not very well explained. Like, who has authority over who? 
Like, is JJ over Bischoff? Is Piper over Bischoff? Is Piper over JJ? Like, the power triangle was never explained here. So it seems very odd that Bischoff is like, well, you know, if Sting shows up, we still want Nitro. And that's like, a, is, is that a stip? We don't know, because JJ doesn't say anything else, and that's the end of that. Yeah. So I just wish the power structure was explained a little bit better. But this is WCW where everything's made up and the points don't matter. So uh, Larry Zabisco is out next as the special guest referee for this awful, awful match. Poor Larry. Larry had the best moment in this match at the end of it. As Scott Hall is out with Six, who is on his way out of the company, Lex Luger will be his opponent. He gets a ton of pyro for his entrance, but he seems to ignore it. He does his initial pose, they hit all this pyro, like tons, like a minute's worth of pyro. But after his initial pose, Luger just walks to the ring, and while all this pyro goes off, he could have yeah. flexed for another minute. He could have ate that shit up. The narcissist. Zabisco wants Hall to lose the toothpick. Hey, get rid of that toothpick, and of course gets it in his face. Which I thought he couldn't do anymore because of the lawsuit, but... I guess that's still fine. He did it before he was Razor Ramon, by the way. He did it in WCW as the Diamond Stud. So, the toothpick was before Razor Ramon. I'm sure that probably was part of the lawsuit where they said, hey, you know, he was... But he just did it anyway. He just doesn't give a fuck. Larry breaks an illegal choke from Hall to Luger. Hall wants a test of strength with Lex. He kicks Luger instead. Drives a knee to the back of Luger. Luger hulks up. Dusty and Tony argue about this match having a slow start. It does. Uh, corner punches to Hall. Hall responds with a clothesline. Six almost gets Hall DQ'd, but Larry stops him. Doesn't throw him out, though. Just lets him stay at ringside. That's fine. Fought, because, yeah, this is, a again, a WCW guy. What, he's the referee. He has some authority. Why not kick the NWO guy out? Six is not a manager. He's a wrestler. Kick him out. He has no manager's license. Fall away slam to Luger, sleeper to Luger, Luger hulks up, suplexes out, Larry back body drops Hall out of the ring when Hall tries to attack him, and Larry ducks and just flings him over. Then Eric Bischoff comes out as he's suddenly interested in this match. Larry kicks Bischoff, Luger and Hall beat the uh, tin count on the outside of the ring so they get back in, a lariat to Hall, an inverted atomic drop three times from Luger to Hall, the bionic forearm, the torture rack is called for by Luger, but Six hits Luger in the back of the head, behind Larry's back. Hall hits the outsider's edge. Larry begrudgingly counts the three. One, two, pulls it, but finally counts the three. And Hall wins. That's it. Yes. Ding, ding. So that should be the match. It's the match. That's what happens in pro wrestling. Then Larry calls for the microphone and says... No, I, I think something happened here. Let's see the replay. Which, in this same company, I swear to you, there have been instances where they say, this is WCW, we don't use instant replay here, because this is around the same time the NFL was the first pro sports league to institute instant replay. And so WCW and WWF made it a big point. We don't use replay here. This is this is how we play. We We do it our way. Fuck instant replay. So what does Larry do? Shit all over that. Let's see the replay, uh, which never happens in wrestling, unless it does. Which, again, just irritates me because we had interference finishes earlier tonight. No replay called for there. I guess Larry was the only one that 
that knew of this replay review that you could use. He orders the match to restart when uh, Six kicked Luger's head, but on the replay it looked like shit because he missed Luger's head entirely. So technically, uh, Hall won this match clean, but whatever. Larry restarts the match. Luger racks Hall. Hall quits, and Six attacks Larry, who puts Six in a guillotine choke. Then Hall and Bischoff puts the boots to Larry Zabisco. Bischoff kicks him, and then covers him while while Hall counts the one, two, three. Yeah, he does the uh, Jericho, yeah, baby, pose. Foot on him and flexing them muscles, Which, baby. by the way, WCW, way to unite here and save Larry Zabisco from a beatdown by the NWO. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's just, awesome. Just let him... Because Flair was on a roll just a match ago and should have been right back out there. Right. But this is WCW, and... This match sucked. Dusty could have easily gotten up and left the uh, left the the announce table to go and save Larry. By the way, just I never understood why Dusty never left the announce table to defend WCW, but yet he was sit up there and say, "We need people to come out here and defend." But motherfucker, get off your fat ass and go do it. <laughs> yeah, or I don't know. Like, do they not have like a radio up there or a phone? Yeah, I, I yeah. Mean, where is Doug Dillinger? He yeah. would be later in the night. He seemed to uh, know when to show up. But uh, this match is actually probably my least favorite match of the night. I would rather watch the Disco Inferno match of them. Oh, God, because, no. Uh, I'll take this over Disco. Luger and Hall just... Uh, Luger was probably very uh, sad that his push had ended earlier that year with his five-day title reign. And Hall uh, just never really cared. So He's getting have, paid. He don't give a shit. Yeah, and Six is frustrated and is getting ready to leave. And uh, so, fuck it. They all just acted, they wrestled like a bunch of people who didn't care. Larry was the only one that cared, and he put in the most effort, so good for him. Although his refereeing, uh, a bit a bit shady, and I oh. hated the the replay call. And even his it, three, his count. And again, slow. WCW guy gets to be special ref. Just screw the NWO guy out yeah. of it. Luger, by the way, looks like a total heel here. He was, like, recovering. It took him forever to recover from getting knocked out of the ring, but he was, like, crouched near the ring apron, allowing Larry to just get his ass kicked. Mm -hmm. So, Luger is just a coward. We get a promo for World War III. Macho Man is out next. It's a Las Vegas sudden death match. Actually, you can just call it a last man standing match. That's all it is. Representing NWO and Slim Jim is Macho Man Randy Savage, out with Liz. Oh, yeah! DDP is out next with his taped ribs, which he would have, I swear, for years. Like, even in the video games, they would put this rib tape on this guy. Like, he was selling these ribs. Uh, this was his calling card. I'm waiting for WWE to put it in one of the... You know, they put WCW's DDP in the game. He, they just need to put a version with taped ribs yes i mean <laughs> even when i think he was doing the thing with carl malone he started out with taped ribs yeah yeah uh this was a feud that started earlier in the year uh spring stampede ddp main evented that show with macho man got a big win and uh that was one of the many shows that hogan wouldn't work as hogan got to work like i think he was only required to work like seven shows or eight shows out of the year so he would skip a lot and then the some that he did work, he would just be in tag matches or non-title matches. So or selling wrist locks to fucking Jay Leno. 
Yes. Uh, so DDP got made into a star that night, and so this feud continued with Macho Man, and that's what we have going on this, here. This is a... I mean, this feud would continue even after this match. This feud just... Well, it would culminate... Uh, Macho Man would award uh, DDP the title uh, when he finally won it in mm-hmm. 1999, when it was too little too late for the company, but came full circle. Yeah, and uh, in DDP's Hall of Fame speech, I mean, he mentions uh, about making Macho Man uh, how Macho Man called him after DDP like sent him a thank you note or something for letting him beat him that time at Spring Stampede, and he was like, "Brother, no one else has ever done something that nice for me," and like just uh, a great speech DDP gave on his Hall of Fame induction. Well, I mean, Savage lifted. DDP from mid card to main event status. He yes. he solidified the credibility. Well, because no of one was what getting, Page could do. Well, and no one was getting wins over the NWO guys, especially the top guys. I mean, right. you could get a win over Virgil. Uh, <laughs> I think but, he's the only one in NWO that lost. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so DDP was able to break through and get a win over a top guy in the NWO, and Macho Man was of course nice enough to do it because Hogan would be like, "Fuck that." No, brother. He's not a brother, brother. DDP chokes Macho with his t-shirt and snapmares him. They exchange strikes in the corner of the ring. Both men clothesline each other and need to make the 10 count. They do. DDP hits a planche at a Macho Man on the outside. Macho Man hits an axe handle to DDP. DDP gets clotheslined into Raven's flock out in the uh, crowd who just sit there. They do nothing. They just sit there. A fan near the wrestlers battling decides to take his shirt off it was really weird yeah i couldn't that understand was, if this dude was drunk or was section to... seven was uh pretty wild yeah. for this guy macho gets thrown into the tombstones uh the uh set which all these uh foam tombstones just blew apart i love this this is <laughs> yeah. great it's a great image and well it's kind of creepy now that macho man passed away that he's fighting in a graveyard even though it's a fake set graveyard but by the way his attire tonight is on point it is literally one of the coolest things you will ever see in a wrestling ring i literally really truly well it's halloween colored i loved his attire the yellow the bright orange yellowish you know and then the dark maroon type red and it was very very well done he gets smacked with a tombstone from ddp dusty says he wobble-legged him Oh, he also got slammed onto a uh, casket, which was fake, and it just exploded when he got slammed Dude, onto it. That The image of that was awesome, though. Uh, DDP and Macho Man battle on the ramp. Macho Man steals a camera from Jackie Crockett, who I guess was given a job as a cr- uh, cameraman. Macho Man tries to smash Paige with it, but Paige gets his boots up. Liz then smashes Mickey J with a catering tray. She chokes DDP with a camera cable. A plastic cookie tray, and that thing exploded over the back of Mickey J's head. Dusty calls the camera cable an extension cod, as Dusty calls it. Kimberly Page runs in to save her man, and we get Dusty Rhodes saying catfight. Uh, not quite Joey Styles' uh, version, but it was weird to hear Dusty yell catfight multiple times. She drags her by the hair to the back, and that's the end of Liz for the night. They get to go home early. 
The trainer scoops up Mickey J. Nick Patrick, dirty ref Nick Patrick is now the ref. Uh, we have a conflict of interest here. An inverted atomic drop to Macho Man. Uh, DDP hits his pancake to Macho Man. Macho Man blocks the diamond cutter by holding the ropes. Patrick stops the count for some reason when Macho Man makes it to his feet, even though DDP was still down, so maybe he is a good referee now. He hits a shitty elbow drop to DDP's ribs, not the quite the crisp Macho Man elbow we're used to. DDP gets up, gets scoop slammed by Macho Man, who goes for another elbow, but he nails this one. He oh, drove man. it right into those injured ribs. DDP beats the count. Patrick takes a rough bump, and DDP hits the diamond cutter to Macho Man. No ref. Patrick gets up and counts both men, but both men make it to their feet. Macho low blows Paige. A man in a sting mask walks out. He's got Hogan's boots on, so Tony assumes, oh, that's got to be Hogan. I guarantee you it was not, but it was Hogan's boots on some guy. And this sting, which is a spot they loved and would continue into TNA, people dressing up like sting, hitting other people with bats. And it continues here as a man in a sting mask decks DDP with a bat and then just walks back to the back, just leaves. Done. And then, so I guess, uh, NWO gets Nitro, because you can't prove that this wasn't Sting, right? right? I mean, so, there you go. Macho beats the count, and DDP loses. What a shitty ending to this match, which I thought was uh, going pretty well. I wish it was a little more intense than it was. I thought that some of their walk and brawling was... It just didn't feel intense enough for the rivalry that had been brewing for months, you know, I just, it was a little, little lacking in intensity, and the ending really soured it for me, because, I mean, someone should have just won this clean, and that been yeah. the end of it, but we had to get a sting imposter with a baseball bat, and you're thinking, oh, well, that's, they won't do that spot again tonight, well, they'll, they'll show you something. Yeah. Now, what did you think of this match? I love this match. I love any time that you get Savage and DDP. I mean, it's Savage and Page is always a a great rivalry. It's a great they're great on the microphone against each other while they on nitros. They're great in matches together. Uh, and they're both guys that love to uh, work out their match. Uh, line by line beforehand. Exactly. So they worked really well together. Doug Dillinger shoes off Macho Man, who just complies. They put DDP on a stretcher. They don't, like, rest him down or put him on a board. They just strap this poor man to a stretcher. Okay, here's where I get pissed. And you know where I, you know why. Savage comes back out. Yes. Tries to flip the stretcher over with DDP strapped to it. The four EMTs hold the damn thing down and don't let him flip it. Yes, yeah, so he just hits DDP and then just runs off. Yes. So that epic image of him flipping an injured DDP over. No, we don't get that. We get him throwing a punch and leaving. Yeah, or I thought he was just going to steal the stretcher and just steal, run off with DDP. That would have been great. Who knows what happens. Tune into Nitro. Yeah. Time for our main event. Michael Buffer is out. Let's uh, get ready to rumble. Yeah. A steel cage grudge match with no rules. And boy, is that true. <laughs> uh, when when you go into a cage match, you think you have some semblance of how cage matches work, especially in WCW, because they, 
uh, tend to let uh, pinfalls and submissions. I'm count. thinking at this point in time, with the referee outside the door, the only way to win is by escape. Right. Uh, That's but, where I'm sitting. But to be fair, Buffer said there are no rules, and they would. So how do you win? Yeah, how do you win a match that you can't lose because there are no rules? What is this exactly? How do you choose? How do you define a winner? Exactly, and the announcers didn't. I mean, the commentators, Dusty, Tony, and Bobby, did not clarify this either, and they didn't seem concerned with the lack of explanation. By the way, a cage match is intended to keep people out. Let's see how oh, well that would work oh, tonight. Oh, I got a lot to say on that. The cage is lowered. And to my surprise, because I did not remember since early WCW from, like, 92 when we saw those weird, like, uh, the Thunderdome. Oh, this is the same fucking cage. So, yeah, they used the Thunderdome cage with the bars, not their typical chain link. Right. Which is what they always use. Right. Was chain link. That was the difference between the two companies. Yeah. But for tonight, it's going to be a bar-style cage. So, Hogan comes out first he's without his title belt his cage is pretty massive and it allows you to walk around the ring i thought that was pretty cool um the cage looked flimsy as shit though it didn't look like it would hurt at all it was aluminum it wasn't even metal it was or steel it was it was just you could tell it was aluminum because there was so much give oh yeah and bow in it that it was you could bounce off the off of this and not feel the not feel as hard as you would bouncing off of the ring ropes. I mean, it was just, it was easy. Roddy Piper then is announced as not being a part of any wrestling organization, yet he comes out with the WCW World Championship, and he is the commissioner, acting commissioner or something, of WCW. He stole the spray-painted World Championship. Yes. Now, Hogan is the champion despite Piper having the belt. By the way... They never inform us whether or not this is a title match or not. We just are left to wonder. Hogan wants to leave. It's not even a match because how do you can you define? <laughs> There's no that? rules. There's no rules. Hogan wants to leave and runs away from Piper. Hogan tries to climb out. I would have loved to see Terry Bollea actually climb out and over this thing, but uh, he did not. As Piper whips him into the fence and then bites him in the butt. A weird place to start of places to bite your opponent for Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Piper bites him again, this time in the back. Then in the face, thumb to the eyes, atomic drop to Hogan. He is owning Hogan's ass. Piper then paintbrushes him. Then Hogan tries to climb out again, gets low blowed this time. Both men get their heads rammed into the cage at the same time. Now, this is where things get really weird. The door to the cage was never locked. It was never even closed, as far as I can tell. It was. Oh, it was closed, at least. Well, Randy Anderson... Randy Anderson had the chain and the lock in his hands, and it was closed and padlocked. However, when Hogan then says, open the door, he takes the whole damn thing off and never puts it back on. So Hogan tries to escape and does. Ding, ding, ding. The match is over. He walks right out the door. Piper is behind him. Pushes him out. Well, both men left at the same time. No, they didn't. Hogan was ahead of Piper and stepped out first. There's no way for... Yeah, if you follow me out of a door, you can't say we both left at the same time. Exactly. Ding, 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 the match is over, right? No. No, not in this match. Not in this world. Hogan slams the door onto Piper, takes another door shot, and two more. So just destroys Piper with this door. He crotches Piper on the guardrail. Hogan says... 
that's it. I'm out of here. So he walks away. He leaves. Again, another rest. Up the, up the ramp. Hogan, though, gets up the ramp and sees a sting. This one looks kind of like the real sting. So Hogan's scared. Piper runs, gets Hogan, throws him into the cage, and drags him back in. This time, Randy Anderson locks the cage to, I guess, now that you can't leave through the door, even though we did already. Yeah. Okay? Both men climb the cage, which, if you escape, we've already established that doesn't win the match. So, let them climb out. Who cares? Both men climb the cage. Piper stops Hogan. Another Sting shows up in the aisleway and stands next to the other Sting. Hogan, so we got two Stings. Yes. The Sting count is is going on. And we already had one earlier tonight, so our Sting count is up to three on the night. Three so far. Hogan grabs something out of his tights, but uses his belt instead. He was actually just undoing his weight belt. He paintbrushes Piper. He had a pair of brass knuckles. But he decided against using them, though. No, he's got them on. He beats the shit out of them with the weight belt. Then as he goes to put the weight belt on, and he picks Piper up, he clocks him one time, then takes the knuckles and puts them back in. Okay. Why did he need to hide them? I don't know why he's hiding them. <laughs> I don't. I can't explain that one at all. So Hogan tries to climb out of the cage. One of the stings, though, watches and points a bat at Hogan. Piper goes up and retrieves Hogan. They brawl to the top of the cage. Are they going to take a Mick Foley bump? I don't think so. I would love to have seen this. Another sting then comes out. And then four. And then another sting comes down from the crowd. We're at five. Piper climbs over the cage, but Hogan stops him. Hogan chokes Piper over the cage. Stings are everywhere now. Piper chokes Hogan with his shirt. Piper takes a title belt shot. Hogan somehow got busted open in all of this. Drops the big leg twice. Randy Anderson only counts a two as Piper kicks out. Now, despite being surrounded by stings, they apparently didn't mind Macho Man flying right by them and going into the ring. He climbs the cage. Yes, they needed someone to do a big cage spot. Savage climbs the cage. And this cage is easily 20 feet tall. It is a massive cage. It's very tall. And it's very wobbly. He had no fear. And Savage, smart at least, to go off one of the corners so he could hold the cable to balance himself, drops a double axe handle. But to the wrong guy. But to Hogan. And so far, Hogan and Hogan turns so far away from him that Savage just hits his forearm to make sure he could reach out far enough to connect or he'd have missed completely. <laughs> yeah, it would have looked really bad. He would have missed completely. It was an outstanding, possible, idea. great idea that failed miserably. <laughs> well, and also just the fact that none of those stings... Just seemed to notice this man. Oh, he runs right between them. So then, Piper locks on the sleeper to Hogan, and Hogan goes to sleep. Randy Anderson raises his hand three times. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner in this match that you could not win or you could not lose. Is he the champion? Apparently not, as you'd find out the next night on Nitro. Who knows? Bischoff comes out. He orders Hogan to beat Piper with the belt. A fake sting gets thrown into the cage. Piper is then handcuffed to the cage. He's basically crucified to one side of the cage. They beat this fake sting up. Yes, they beat this fake sting up who was Bobby Walker, by the way, I believe. The mask comes off. (laughs) Yes, it's a black guy. You said Bobby Walker. Yeah, it's Bobby Walker, I think. They shit can him on the far side of the hard camera. 
Yes. Okay. As they proceed to tee off on Sav or on Piper, a fan. Okay, now listen very carefully to me. I am dead serious. Do not ever, ever cross a guardrail if you are a fan. Never cross a guardrail, and if it's a show without guardrails, never, ever slide into the ring. Because at this point in time, you are fair game, as this poor fan would find out. Bobby Walker, who you said, tackles him to hold him down. Pee Wee Anderson then gets involved to hold him down, and as the police come in the cage to arrest him, Savage and Hogan... Hogan gives a couple of kicks to the ribs, but Savage is engulfed in beating this poor kid's ass. And they beat this kid. It, it was no longer, let's arrest him and get him out of the cage. It was, let's save him from Savage, because Savage was going to literally kill him with his bare hands. He is beating away on this poor kid. Would it, would it, would it bother you to know that it, it, was, a, it was a work? Was it, was, it now? It was a work. It was a worked shoot, brother. Uh, this is what Meltzer wrote about this. After the match was over and the NWO group of Hogan, Savage, and Bischoff had Piper handcuffed to the cage as if they were going to crucify him, a plant fan with Sting makeup hopped the advance in an incredibly lame attempt as a shoot angle. The fan only got away from one of the fake Stings, who appeared to be Bobby Walker, and ended up being attacked by Savage and Hogan, with Hogan throwing his lame work punches that weren't even hitting the guy, as the cameras focused on that, and security stood there and did nothing, as the fan was pulled from the cage as the show went off the air. Last year, when fans began throwing garbage at the NWO during pay-per-view shows, created a ripple effect where fans thought buying a ticket to live shows gave them the license to hurl gar- garbage at the wrestlers. While no wrestlers have been seriously injured by this trend, fans at the arenas have been hit and cut with bottles. The belief is that this was to further the... Since Sting did not actually... The real Sting did never never appeared to save Piper. He might have been one of those things, but I doubt it. This was supposed to represent Sting, basically. It was this fan. It was like... The spirit of Sting inhabited this fan. And, to climb the cage. Right. And because... I know I'm that I'm not 100 percent certain. I think well, I think that the part where Hogan's like bring him in the ring or whatever, I think that kind of tips the hand that it's it's a worked shoot. And also Doug Dillinger's standing right there. I mean, he could have grabbed him or whatever. Savage is on after this. I mean, he deserves, well, Savage might not have known. <laughs> he deserves a fucking Oscar then because he is well in the way on this poor kid. And I mean, beating his ass, beating him bad. Uh, Macho Man had beaten up fans before. Uh, there was that infamous Eddie and RVD ladder match where Eddie just walloped this guy for trying to interfere. So yeah, when you jump in over the rail, you're fair game. But there, WCW, this happened a lot where fans were jumping the guardrail legit. Like There was one I saw where Raven was cutting his promo in the corner. Oh, and he rips him completely out of the damn the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Pulls him completely out of the ring. Yeah, well, I'm sure this was to uh, send a message to fans for doing that, but it was also to, yeah, the the spirit of Sting is being destroyed or something. It was stupid uh, for them to do this. It was all the Stings. This match was just stupid. From, yeah, from the concept, from Hogan saying he doesn't want to be a part of it, 
from the execution of it, from Macho Man's involvement, who Macho Man had nothing to do with this feud. He was in the NWO, but he already had his match. A grueling last man standing match. And was he not, at this point in time, feuding with Hogan as to who ran NWO? That would be uh, coming up next year, when, oh, okay. the, when the Wolf Pack would uh, right. split off. Yeah, I... All the st- all the stings. This this was a record for sting impersonators. Uh, I get that you're teasing. Uh, everyone knew though by this point that that was the match that we were heading. That was toward. the go towards. Yeah. So why do you? You don't need to beat us. So we're not that stupid. We are stupid, but we're not that stupid. Where you need to be like, here's a million stings. Here's a stipulation with sting, 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 sting. Don't forget about Piper. Forget about the match you're about to see. Sting. Yeah. But then they don't actually give you Sting. Sting. Yeah, they give you Bobby Walker and a fan in Sting face paint. And they give you all this other stuff. I'm with you then. If this was a plant, I don't believe it was, but if it might have been. If this was a plant, though, somebody didn't tell Savage because he is beating the shit out of this poor kid. Well, I'm sure that kid was probably honored to be beaten by Randy Savage because that would be fun. In a matter of seconds, this kid's all of his, this is how hard he was hitting him. All the face paint had been completely wiped off his face. This is how hard Savage was just welling away on this kid's face. Yes, so. Busted nose the whole nine yards. I don't think he busted his nose, but he took his face paint off for sure. But face paint comes off pretty easily. What do you think of this pay-per-view overall? Oh, I think it's definitely a must-watch. I think the first three matches and then turn it off. Ray and Eddie Eddie is a definite for any fan ever of wrestling. It's a definite must-watch. Yeah, I would uh, skip every match after the first three. I would forget they ever happened because in storyline, they pretty much didn't happen because on... Nitro, the very next night, who who walks out first? Hogan. What does he have in his possession? The NWO World Heavyweight Belt. So this match meant nothing. Uh, I hate that we cut and ran. Oh, I know. Yeah, they cut and then they played. It's this theme song that they played. It might have been a dub by the network. I'm not sure. I WCW wouldn't use copyrighted music though, so it's weird. I swear to you, the opening and closing theme of Halloween Havoc 97 was the Mark Marrow boxing theme song from WWF a few years later. Or it's like the Brawl for All theme. It's yeah. one of those two because I've heard it before and it was bothering me the whole time. And at the very end, I was like, it's Mark Marrow's boxing theme. It's yeah. his Golden Gloves gimmick theme. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hated the way we just abruptly cut off, but... I went and watched Nitro. I was curious. I had morbid curiosity this morning, and I wanted to see the Nitro the night after. And this, Not a damn thing happened. It really didn't. This meant really nothing. They didn't show anything as to... They didn't show the fan at all. The fan was not even mentioned, which, I mean, if you wanted to do a work shoot, or if it was a shoot, you wouldn't mention it. But then you would think on the replay of the pay-per-view or on the... You know, they would have cut that out because that that RVD ladder match where a fan interfered on the network, they cut that out. That doesn't exist. Really? And anytime they review the uh, Hogan turn on the documentaries and stuff, they they cut cut it out. They cut Hulk kicking the shit out of that guy. That's right. Yeah, they cut that. So it's it's just kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, this was all just... uh, This is a major blunder, in my opinion, on WCW's part. Uh, They didn't... They didn't know what was around the corner. I like Savage and Page. 
I really think that that is a good a good match. I thought it was fine, but it just the walk and brawl was a bit a bit much. They it just wasn't just wasn't intense enough. Piper and Hogan's not worth it. I mean, unless you just want to see Savage beat the shit out of a kid. And Piper wins another non-title match. He booked himself into a non-title match. He had the he he had the power of the pencil, Patrick, and decided, you know what? I don't really care about that title. Luger Hall with Larry, awful, terrible. Henning and Flair, I thought was good, just except for the fuck finish. It was okay, but it should have been more vicious. Disco, Jacqueline didn't care about. Oh, terrible. Mongo, Alex Vite. Oh, terrible. Took care less. Goldberg, heel turn. So, yeah. Watch match one, two, three. Watch match six. And watch match seven out of an eight match card. In my eyes, that's where I look. That's where I stand. No, I'd only do three of eight. And they're the first three. So, it's going to be real easy for you. So, on our rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, Halloween Havoc, 1997. I must snap into it with a savage. Oh, a savage. Let's see. I am going to give it a... I'm going to give it a Mikey Whipwreck, because it was like wow. a train wreck. And so You're going like Rey Mysterio size here, dude. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's pretty awful. Uh, it's a one-match show, but there are three matches that you can it is but seriously in all honesty it is definitely ray and eddie one of the greatest things you'll ever see i mean it, it goes hand in hand with um the likes of you know foley flying off of the cell i mean it is it is historically one of the most memorable moments in professional wrestling this match is legendary and transcends time that you could put this match on right now on any Raw or SmackDown and play the replay of it, it will stand up. Yes. Well, it's my pick, and since this uh, Halloween Havoc took place in Las Vegas, Nevada, I thought, it's time for some Raw Roulette. Yes. So we'll watch the October 7th, 2002 edition of Raw, where... Raw and SmackDown would spin the wheel and make the deal, a gimmick stolen from WCW, and the stipulations for their matches and their opponents were determined by luck, allegedly. Uh, later on when they would do this, uh, the, the, the wheel was rigged, but this year, I think, I'll have to go back and double check when we review it, but I think this one was random, I think. It was actually random. It was... Slightly random. I think, like, the opponents might, like, one guy would be picked, and they would, you know, narrow it down on the wheel to, like, you know, we want you to probably face one of these three, you know. Yeah. It was rigged, but not as rigged as, like... Match it, types were, were pretty up in the air. Right, like, I think the year after... The next year they tried it, I think the wheel was, like, rigged to stop at certain spaces. They would stuff. put, like, weights and shit on the other side. and Yeah, or just someone else on the other side. Just stop it. Just tell them when to stop. Yeah, yeah so. Uh, Raw Roulette. As, uh, this was uh, another, I believe, an Eric Bischoff invention on uh, Raw. So Eric yeah. had some good ones and some bad ones. Yes. HLA not being a good one. Yes. Yes, yeah, we get ready to watch Evolution. <laughs> <laughs> we remember hot lesbian action from Eric Bischoff. Alright, that'll do it for this week. As always, you can find us at RetroWrestlingPodcast.com and Patrick Young Facebook page, Patrick Young Wrestling, the Retro Wrestling Facebook page. 
And there, and there you go. That's it. You already listened, so you already found it. So, I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, Happy Halloween. My closing line's close line. And bingo. Bingo. My feud of the year, DDP versus, ooh, yeah. Macho Man. Dig it. I have so many amazing stories about Mach, but my favorite one comes at Thanksgiving, and it starts with a me leaving him a message. Hey, Mach, uh, it's DDP, man. Listen, this is going to sound kind of corny, but it, you know it's Thanksgiving, and a lot of the boys are like texting me, like, you know, thank you, thanks for helping me out, and have a great Thanksgiving. And it got me thinking, like, who doesn't know? how grateful I am, how thankful I am to them. I said, bro, I don't know if you really know. But I know that if you don't take that finish at Spring Stampede in the middle, my career isn't this career. And I just want you to know, bro, that I know that, and I will never forget it. Have a great Thanksgiving. And I hung up the phone, and I thought that was really it until Monday at TV. And I came around the corner, and Mach came around the other corner, and when he saw me, his eyes got big, and he starts power walking towards me. Diamond, come here! What the hell did I do, you know? Grabs me, pulls me in a room. I got your message. And I played it a couple of times. And then I called my dad. I said, Dad, did you ever have one of the boys do something like this for you? He said, no. I just want you to know, it meant a lot. And he hugged me harder than I've ever been hugged in my life. Thank you much, wherever you are.